this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome back to part three, where we went through the internal family systems with Dr. Allison Cook uh, two episodes ago. And then the last episode, we let you see what it's like for each personality type to have different parts of them. Um, And so that I think was super helpful. And if you haven't listened to those, go back and revisit that. Um, But this episode, part three, we're going to give you a really helpful tool in understanding how to be aware of yourself. And actually, that's the tool, the acrostic aware, A-W-A-R-E. So Jeff, tell us how we started kind of using the acrostic aware, where it came from, and how it has really helped us. Yeah, so the idea of a daily exercise to become aware of what's happening internally and to invite God's spirit um, into our lives in such a way that we can be led and coached um, by the Spirit, um, really for me began um, many years ago. And even since I had become a Christian, the, the truth about God's love and His grace to me has always held my attention. And my conversion was dramatic. I wasn't seeking after God. I wasn't praying. I wasn't in conversation with other Christians. But one day, God showed up in my life, and he saved my life. And it wasn't uh, long after that that I was introduced to the writings of Jerry Bridges. And throughout his writings, um, he taught me how to preach the gospel to myself. Now, what does the term preach the gospel to myself mean? Well, that means that the gospel wasn't something that was just to be believed upon for conversion alone, But it was something to be reminded of daily and that my spiritual life was to be grounded in the truth of what Christ had done for us. Mm -hmm. And having faith that what Jesus did for me, because in, in that it's true, I can face whatever may come my way each day both my failures and my successes. Mm -hmm. Well, then a few years later, around 2008, I was reading Brennan Manning's book, Abba's Child. Oh, man. I love that book. It was so (laughs) impactful in my life. And actually... That makes, that reminds me, I need to read that again. So yeah. So what did you learn in his book? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Beth. We have to do some research with types about what Christian books have helped them the most. That That would be really really fun. Side note. Yes. Side note, future episode. Yes. Well, so I was reading Abba's Child. In that book, he included a letter that he had written to what he calls his false self. And he did this while he was on a silent retreat. Well, that totally intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like to, once again, the term that I would use is preach the gospel to yourself by writing a letter to this part of you that maybe is the image that you want everyone to see, but you believe yourself to be otherwise. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, as this journey continued, I was introduced to a book by Ruth Haley Barton called Invitation to Solitude and Silence. And our lead pastor had shared it with me, and it became a part of not only our staff culture, but then a part of discipleship for our whole church. So it was instrumental in spiritual growth. And for years, I had focused on my agenda and during my devotional times. And, and a lot of times, this is how we're trained by our mentors and disciplers. We have our reading plan, uh, our scriptures that we're memorizing, and the circumstances of people and the list to be able to pray through. But I hadn't thought about the idea of pausing and simply allowing my mind and my heart to slow down and then to open myself up to the Spirit. Yeah, I remember that being so impactful for you. And I think that's going to be impactful for any type. But um, I know we, we were actually laughing about this many years ago. You had a men's Bible study group and you guys would do a moment of silence and solitude. And you'd actually build up because it's kind of hard for people just all of a sudden be still and quiet and, and reflective. Um, and then you kind of build, you, you guys built into that. But what we laughed about is how nines... <laughs> Your group. That's right. How, yeah, how they would a, actually fall asleep. That's another episode is that <laughs> each of the types experience silence in different ways. You know, sixes and sevens, their minds were racing. Um, nines and fives just disassociated. Well, we like, were like, it, sweet, I can do this. This is no problem. <laughs> right. And the twos and threes, sometimes they would fall asleep uh, yeah. because it was the first time during their day that they actually slowed down enough right. to get into their body. Right. And I just remember um, you just sharing that with me and how impactful it was for each of the types in different ways and the different challenges that arose. And so for you, I know this was a whole new challenge, um, you know, with the inner committee, always wanting to chime in and learning what does it look like to have silence and solitude to really focus in on scripture and, and praying. So that was, I know, a really big thing for you. Well, and you're right, sweetie, because that what I noticed during as I would practice increasing amounts of time of silence and solitude on a daily and then maybe even like a weekly extended time, I began to recognize that there were patterns in how I thought and felt mm -hmm. that I would be ruminating over s certain circumstances or feeling certain ways that really I'd wake up. And I'd automatically kind of embody that anxiety. And, but whenever I would practice silence and solitude, I started to observe what was happening. And most of the time when those patterns were coming up, I would either fixate even further, or I would simply try to avoid them with all these kind of little idols to fill, numb, and blind myself. Those are Allender, Dan Allender terms, to fill, numb, and blind. Mm -hmm. uh, these things that we don't want to recognize in our own hearts. Mm -hmm. So put this all together. We've got Jerry Bridges preaching the gospel ourselves, Brandon Manning writing a letter to his false self, and then starting to practice silence and solitude. Well, then in 2014, I was introduced to internal family systems, which is what we cover with Dr. Allison Cook in um, the previous two episodes. And what she co-authored the book, Boundaries for Your Soul. And that's when I started to really put things together. And here's the objective. Here's why we've created AWARE. To apply the gospel to the various parts of our hearts which includes this fleshly parts of ourself. And the content of what we're trying to offer you is 
regular times of silence and solitude coupled with the scriptures so that you can break free of these unhealthy patterns so that you can lead, mentor, and shepherd your own heart in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And ultimately to give glory to God in all that we do while blessing others, which will bring us great joy. So in 2016, Beth had a profound insight. It really accelerated what uh, what I was starting to learn, uh, what had been learning for a number of years, because she started to see a pattern in her internal world, but it was through the lens of the Enneagram. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, and, we, and we did this actually in the last episode. So just to kind of recap a little bit, with the internal family systems and how we use the different parts of us to um, help us, what I recognized was that I was seeing my eight wing show up in a very specific way. I saw my one wing assist in certain ways, the sixth path that I would go down and the three path as well. And so what I really noticed was that there was a very clear sequence of patterns, notable characteristics that I was really utilizing within um, the Enneagram, the the things that I was most familiar with in the diagram. And I was seeing it in our marriage and even with our children that there was actually almost a sequence or order Mm -hmm. that these parts would show up whenever there were anxieties or core motivations that were at activated internally. Yeah, we talked about uh, what I've noticed, and it's not always, you know, exactly this way, but we've noticed this is probably the typical pattern is as a nine, I want to think everything's fine, right? You know, and then all of a sudden my type six can kind of rear its head up and go, wait a second, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And it's all in, in support of the nine, right? Avoiding conflict and tension. And so that part of me is, is saying, well, what if you make someone unhappy or what if that person is displeased? And so that, that part of me gets activated in thinking of all worst case scenarios, but then I can also use kind of my three going, but what if they don't like you? You should shape shift. You should become something else. And then my one wing says, you're being bad. This is, this is wrong. You're not a good enough wife. Um, and then what I notice at the very end of all of this, usually my eight rears up and tries to protect me by pushing everyone away. And so we saw this as a clear pattern, especially in our family, that was really helpful because we didn't understand where this eight part was coming from, but we could trace it back into my early childhood and how I used that part of me to try to protect myself as well. And that gave us then this common language to use in whatever was happening. It could be, I was sad, I was happy, I was struggling, I was irritable, whatever it was, we could come back to this and go, okay, what's going on? And it wasn't just to nuance everything. It was so that we could be on the same page together and move forward or be on the same page as a family or even as a team. So in light of our story of following Jesus and being with one another, We've created a helpful tool to help people apply the gospel to their lives on a regular basis while using the helpful insights that come to us through the Enneagram. And in this simple acrostic, we help people to experience what we know to be true about the gospel. That one, we are far worse than we think, but we are far more loved than we ever dreamed, as Pastor Jack Miller would say. The goal of this daily exercise is not navel-gazing. It's not to analyze every thought or every feeling where we get so fixated on ourselves. 
but rather the goal is to recognize that we are God's workmanship in which he is crafting something beautiful. He is working on something with intentionality. Not only that, but he will carry that work unto completion, as it says in Philippians 1.6. So we want to join him, to walk in step with him, to come alive to what he is doing in our lives versus what we think we should be doing. Oh, I love that. You know, and especially in the uh, Ephesians 2.10 that you referenced about being his workmanship, I love that you, because I didn't take Greek in seminary, you did, but I remember you explaining how that word is really poema, mm-hmm. that we are God's poem, that we are this beautiful work of art. And I just think, you know, that's so encouraging. We're not just something he kind of, well, here we go. Like, no, he designed us in a very specific way to glorify him and to bless others and for us to have that joy in it. And so what we found to be true in our own experience is that when our hearts are aligned with the truth of the gospel in this way, where we are living in the reality that God is not done with us yet and he is intimately involved in our spiritual growth, that that translates into peace in our relationships peace in our relation to the work that the Lord's given us to do, and even peace in relationship to ourselves. So here are a few key verses that we're going to come back to again and again that really drive this. Number one is this, the goal is transformation, not observation. Mm -hmm. And the idea here comes from uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so there's this dynamic that happens that we're not simply trying to expose the problems, but the goal is to bring all of who we are to a life-changing relationship with God. Yeah, I mean, and here what we find is that, you know, guilt and shame are not ultimately what's going to work. We kind of think it does. It, it kind of tricks us. Yeah, remember the phrase we learned in seminary that grace works, but guilt and shame work faster. Right, exactly. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. Exactly, it's a total joke. But we think, um, unfortunately, we think that it could work, right? And so we try to guilt ourselves or shame ourselves or others to get things done. But Or we create the list of mm-hmm. the activities to try harder. right. But ultimately, it's what kindness, kindness and patience and love and mercy, those are the things that change us. Well, and that's the next principle. Change happens in union with God's spirit. And we see a perfect example of this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, where David prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Hmm. You see, we oftentimes approach change as orphans Hmm. where we feel like we are the ones who are solely responsible for our change. But the problem is, is that we actually seek to change through the lens of our Enneagram type, which is a sort of like a pattern of insanity where we're doing the same things, but (laughs) expecting different results. Mm -hmm. And what David and what the Lord invites us to is the kind of relationship where not only do we learn more about him, but in the process, we are learning more about ourselves. 
which I absolutely love because if we don't know ourselves, how can we come closer to knowing God in the work he's done for us, right? Because if we don't realize really, you know, the sinfulness, the weaknesses that we have, how can we ask for forgiveness? How can we um, ask him to work in and through us? But also if we don't see the the way we um, reflect him, how are we going to know how to praise him and to honor him? We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom? From your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. So the first uh, verses were about that the goal is transformation on observation. Guilt and shame don't work but kindness and grace does. Number three is that change happens in union with God's spirit. And the last one is that there are many parts of us that need our fathers and our attention Mm -hmm. and our leadership and shepherding. And think of Paul's experience in Romans seven, where there's part of him that desires to do good. And there's part of him that's not. There's a part of him who knows that what he's doing is wrong. And yet he persists in doing it. And he, ends the passage with this question, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Mm. Well, that's the movement to despair. And apart from Christ, we are, we are in despondency. And then verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so this idea that I, I am a slave to a law in my flesh, and I am inclined to act a life out that's living apart from the truth of the gospel. But God invites me in to relationship with him to be set free from anything that would hinder me from growing in relationship with him. And what I love, so this was Romans 7, the end of Romans 7. And what I love right after that is Romans 8, 1. There's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I mean, just think about that as a Paul, after talking about how messed up he is internally. Right. Romans 8, 1. bear. Like there's no content, there's nothing that should preclude you from bringing the totality of everything that you are to your relationship with Christ. And actually, I think that is a perfect example of how to use the Enneagram. Yes, there are going to be things that you see in your Enneagram type and maybe others that you're like, you know, like, yeah, we do have sin and weaknesses and frailties that, yeah, you know, your sins put Christ on the cross and, and, and it's a big deal, but 
There is now no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So yes, we need to look at what is true, ask God to forgive us and have him move in and through us. But we also get to praise him that he has done the work for us in the life, death and resurrection of Christ, that we no longer are orphans, but we are his children. So how can we lead our internal team, our internal family from unhealthy inclinations to uh, the kind of healthy inclinations that lead us towards loving God well and loving others? Well, we've created this acrostic aware. A stands for awaken. W stands for welcome. A stands for ask. R stands for receive. And E stands for engage. What I love about that is it it enables us to take this wherever we go, right? Like we need to be aware of what's going on within us to help all of our relationships. Yeah, exactly. So this is something you can practice in the car. This mm-hmm. is something that in the midst of an argument, you can kind of uh, hold internally, mm-hmm. uh, or you can spend a, a long period of time in silence and solitude. Journaling. Like in, in journaling and mm-hmm. walking through this. So the step one is A for awaken. And that is that uh, we want to awaken to feelings, thoughts, and inclinations. We want to just observe what's actually happening inside of us. Mm-hmm. So we want to acknowledge what we're feeling. I'm, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. Or maybe there's a thought process that's happening. Um, I keep thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Or why did I get so, why am I feeling so upset and frustrated and hurt by that person's comment. But I would also add, even from a nine perspective, is why am I shutting down, right? Like, why am I not engaging with this situation? To, to observe in this first step that I either am about to disassociate mm-hmm. or I have disassociated. Yeah, I've had to say that to you a lot of times. <laughs> That's right. So it, sometimes I approach Beth with some intensity or passion. And over 25 years of marriage, she's been able to identify like, Hey, if I come in hot, she starts to disassociate. She starts to check out. And it may not be even that I'm wanting to, maybe I'm wanting to be engaged in the conversation, but my body is starting to do that. So it's great when I can recognize it and let you know, like, Hey, I want to be in the, on this conversation, but my body is really trying to get me not to. And that gets us on the same page. And one other thing that, um, may not be, or it may be new to you, uh, it may not be obvious, is that you also do a scan of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that for me, my anxiety has showed up in two places, pain in my neck or pain in my lower back. A lot of people get headaches or upset stomachs. That's right. So what am I, what is, what's happening in my body Mm -hmm. in the moment? Now, the goal here is not to analyze it's just to notice and observe. Yeah, that's that's so key because I think often people move straight from observation to judgment or shame or guilt. And this is simply just notice it, just observe it. So step two is W, welcome. So A stands for awaken, W stands for welcome. And what we're inviting you to is to welcome these experiences without judgment. Hmm. And here are a couple of reasons why. Um, James 1 uh, verses 2 through 5 in the Phillips translation, this is fantastic. Um, But the way that he wrote out the verse was this, when all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, 
Don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. Meaning, what we are experiencing actually become the very invitations for us to be able to engage with God and to be able to learn about ourselves. Mm. Our normal response oftentimes, and we feel certain feelings that we believe are negative or certain bodily sensations, is that we want to shut these experiences out by either actively getting away from it or out of the conversation or out of the experience of the emotion or we want to blind ourselves to it or fill ourselves and numb it so we don't want to experience anymore. And so we're often responding out of shame and out of the sense of being accused or caught, and we don't want to be exposed. Mm. It reminds me of Adam and Eve. Right. And, and they, they covered themselves. And so mm-hmm. the key is here is that we want to simply awaken to what's happening, but to welcome the experience without judgment without running away, because we could potentially be running away from something that God's Spirit is actually trying to teach us. And learning to recognize that our responses to people and circumstances can be invitations for us to be able to pivot away from our fleshly selves and to turn towards living out a Spirit-filled self that can connect with God and connect with others. Now, some might be thinking or infer that we are suggesting to welcome sin Mm -hmm. or that sin somehow has positive intent. And that's not what we're saying. No. What we are saying is that our sin actually becomes the trailhead to understanding something about who we are and who Christ has been for us. So by welcoming whatever our experiences are, we actually step into transparency, to vulnerability, to honesty. Yeah, and it's in this recognition that we're able to accept our strategies to live apart from God and then to ask for forgiveness so that we can move by faith in the direction that God is calling us to. Now, there's this great quote that uh, we came across in one of Brene Brown's books by Joseph Campbell, and it was fantastic because here's the thing. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Mm. So your inclination to certain behaviors that lead you away from Christ actually tell us a lot about what's happening in your heart and what you're seeking to satisfy. But the only true satisfaction that we have in this life is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, that quote was from uh, Joseph Campbell, and it says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And I know for me as a type nine, the cave I fear to enter is promoting myself or getting out there and doing something, asserting myself with courage and boldness for others to see. I just want to like kind of hide in the background, but that's just not what God has called me to. But by walking out in faith, what he has called me to do, I feel his presence. I feel um, his embrace. I see his glory work in and through me in ways that I never would have experienced. But it is like the scariest thing for me to do. And I know even for me as a six, that in my inclination to be overwhelmed and afraid at times, to feel this ongoing sense of insecurity about what things might happen, 
that then that leads me to overeating or numbing out mm-hmm. by watching some Netflix show. But the treasure is in why am I watching these shows? Why am I overeating? Mm. Let's take a step back. That's because I'm feeling anxious about life. Well, why am I feeling anxious? Because I feel like I'm alone and I'm not enough. Oh, now I'm starting to talk about gospel language here Mm. because Christ is promised to always be with me and never to forsake me. Well, that really leads us into the third uh, step, which is another A, and it's ask the Spirit for guidance. Now, this is really important because this is not simply a self-observation exercise. But the reality is, is that as David prayed in Psalm 40, my sin surrounds me and I cannot see. Mm. We need a help from a God outside of our experience. And as we mentioned and read earlier in Psalm 139, search me and know me, test me and reveal to me, teach me, help me to understand myself. I remember a phrase that a pastor, uh, Dr. Robert Smart, once shared with us. He said that we are wonderful observers, but horrible interpreters. And isn't that true from our childhoods? We see things happening, but we interpret them through the wrong lens. And so we need help from outside of ourselves to understand our own hearts. And Henry Nowen even uh, says this in his uh, quote, it says, the man who can articulate The movements of his inner life need no longer be a victim of himself, but is able slowly and consistently to remove the obstacles that prevent the spirit from entering. And so this idea of asking for the spirit guidance, no longer is this about self-observation. This is actually now engagement with God at a very intimate level. So, and now we're starting to move from observation to transformation. So we awaken to something that's happened. We welcome it without judgment. And now we're asking for the Spirit's guidance to be able to name that which we can change. So let me give you a few examples. The first one, I I now see that this is part of me, this part of me that feels like I have to engage with life alone. Or I can simply come to an understanding. Now I see how watching Netflix serves a purpose in me, a purpose that is intended to lead me to Christ. But in my interpretation of it often leads me to watching more Netflix. Well, and it's not that watching Netflix itself is wrong, but it's the observation of why am I doing it maybe too much or am I avoiding or am I filling or am I numbing? That's really what you're getting at. It's not that it in itself is wrong. Well, and then you could ask yourself, you know, how is this working for me? Whatever this is, whether it's the overeating, the Netflix, the numbing out, the pursuing something really hard, trying to accomplish a lot, whatever it is, is it really working for me? You know, is it really getting what I had hoped? These are all really good things to ask the Holy Spirit. Like what is going on inside me? How can you reveal to me more clearly what is going on? And a couple more passages to, for this may be kind of a new 
exercise for me. This is very experiential in some sense. And so often our times is simply to read a few passages from scripture and sometimes they connect, sometimes they don't, but this is a more experiential way of uh, approaching this. But to remember like James four that says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Or even in Romans eight, where Paul says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. When we come and present ourselves as a living sacrifice, there is a dynamic relational thing that happens there that by God's Spirit, his truth comes alive because he's with us. I just love that. I mean, what you're seeing here is the Spirit coming alongside you supporting you and advocating for you on your behalf. I just think, wow, I mean, we're not just all alone out here. He is right there with us. So we've looked at awakening to what's happening internally, to welcoming what's happening versus moving to judgment and dismissing it. Number three, asking for the Spirit's guidance to lead us and help us to be able to name uh, what's happening and help us understand its source and motivations. And step four is vitally important because now we're at a place internally where we see what God wants for us to be, but who we really are and the distance between it. And step four, R in our acrostic aware is receive what is true. Hmm. You see, the idea of the scriptures that the promise of the gospel is that when we have a need, God invites us to remember that his promises are true. They are yes and amen in Christ and that we can cry out to him. So our sin and our shame is not intended to push us away from God, but actually they become an invitation for us to engage with him because he's the only one who can remedy it. And in the gospel, we know that all things have been taken care of. There's this theological concept called the double cure. Oh man, this is like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, teaching the kids this at our table up in Illinois because it's, I okay, and then I remember when we were in seminary, so this was probably like 2000, well, probably around 2000, I remember reading um, Rosemary Miller's book, from fear to freedom. And at the back, she has, um, an abbreviated form of, um, Martin Luther's. Yeah. Martin Luther's introduction to Galatians. And I literally, I promise you. So I was at, um, Panera and I am not kidding you. After reading that, I literally wanted to stand up on my chair and tell everyone at Panera that they need to read this thing. It was so liberating, so freeing. I just couldn't believe what I was reading. But in all of that is the double cure where, what we find out is not only does Christ remove all of our past, present, and future sins, which in and of itself is amazing, but we still have to be 100% holy in order to have right relationship with him. Now we just don't have the debt of sin, but the good news is he has given us his perfect righteousness. He lived that perfect life to give it to us so that when God looks at us, he sees Christ's perfect righteousness. And so if we use the illustration um, about my own self, about trying to live or living out this sense of loneliness that I am solely responsible as an orphan to engage with life. If I operate from that center of being, 
versus the spirit-filled self that, you know, I love how Paul says it in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That, that lonely orphan part of me is no longer the center. That's no longer the source and motivation. But my source of life and motivation is Christ who lives in me. So now in the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's Galatians 2.20. That's right. And see, this is so important and why our approach to the Enneagram, I think, is so unique because the what the Enneagram is revealing is our need for Jesus. It's not revealing our need to work harder. Mm-hmm. But growth is going to come through relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so whenever we work through this process and we've asked the Spirit to reveal to us anything that is unpleasing to him, we need the truth of the gospel. And the truth is, is that, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, there are three significant things that we need to remember about the truth of the gospel when it comes to this exercise, and that is Christ has secured for us our justification, our adoption, sanctification. Well, justification means that we have right standing with God, that we have been freely forgiven for our sin by faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross. Justification answers the question, am I accepted? Yes. The next one is adoption. Adoption answers the question, am I loved and am I wanted? And Romans 8 speaks to this very clearly. It says that the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption as sons. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit's role, one of the spirit's role, is to remind us that we are sons and daughters of the king. And so no matter what the spirit may have revealed to us about what is uh, unhealthy about who we are, or how we acted in a particular relationship or situation. The Spirit's role is to move us from thinking that that was going to provide life for us and to remind us that we are forgiven children of God. Mm, so beautiful. And then lastly is sanctification. And it answers the question, well, can I change? I, I've been doing this my entire life. Why should I try again? It's not going to change. Well, the promise of the gospel is that you can change. Mm. And in Hebrews 10, 14, it's this perfect passage that speaks to both our justification and our sanctification, where it says, he has made perfect justification those who are being made holy, that is, sanctification. And that he who began a good work in us, Philippians 1, 6, will carry it on to completion. And Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship. That's right. That comes right after they become a believer. That is so, so fundamentally true. Well, and that, this leads us to this reality about why we provide a gospel-centered approach to the Enneagram. Because it's the gospel that not only saves us, 
but it's also what will change us. Yes. It is this idea that kindness leads to repentance, that it's the grace of God that teaches us. It's not his wrath. It's not his anger uh, or our shame, but it's what God has revealed to us in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Mm, Yeah, and that's so, so needed because so often we're trying to do this in our own strength. But when we recognize it's been accomplished with love, he's given us all that we need. We can rest fully in what he has done for us. It is such a beautiful thing, which leads us into the next letter, which is E, and it's to engage yourself and your relationships in a new way. So there's this great passage in Galatians chapter five that is really a a turnkey idea, an organizing principle for what the Christian life is. And it's where Paul says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything. So getting it right doesn't count for anything but only faith working through love. Mm. So by faith in what we know about what God has done in our lives, that he adopted us as sons and daughters before the beginning of the world, that he has set the times and places in which we live, that he has knit us together in our mother's womb, that he has prepared good works in advance for us to do, and that he has gifted us with gifts to serve his body and our world and all of those who are around us, that by faith, what would it look like for you to not only love others well, but to love and cherish who God has made you to be? And I think one one thing that when I get to this part with people is to recognize the body of Christ. God did not make us to be uniformed, to all be the exact same. He created us uniquely different to not only benefit one another, but to also glorify him in very specific ways and to bless others. And so why we use the Enneagram, another reason is to understand others so we can have that compassion, that understanding, grace, mercy, and to encourage, to spur one another on in the ways that God has called them to, not the way we think they should do it. So here's the idea is that oftentimes we just immediately move to, I need to become this. I need to be doing this in my relationships. I need to be better at. Mm -hmm. But what aware actually invites you to is inviting engaging with the truth of the gospel first. And so in John 13, he says, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Or 1 John 4, we love because Christ first loved us. We want to move towards ourselves and others because of what Christ has done. So this is an opportunity for us to experience renewal in the gospel on a regular basis. And to go through this process of under, by understanding what we're initially inclined to do, to reconcile our relationship with God through guidance by the Holy Spirit, to receive what is true about Christ, and then to re-engage in our relationships, to re-engage in our relationship with ourselves, with our spouse, with our children, with our work and our workplace, uh, our teams, in order that Christ might be honored in all that we do. It's faith working itself through love. So let's go through aware again. 
A stands for awaken. W stands for welcome. A stands for ask. R stands for receive. And E stands for engage. Well, I really hope that this has been truly helpful to each of you because I know it has been for Jeff and I um, in our personal life, in our marriage, and really in all of our relationships that we've engaged in. Well, in our next episode, we're going to walk the wheel again, which means we're going to go through all nine types and use the acronym AWARE to give you guys insight on how you can utilize this acronym for yourself. Um, if you're new to the Enneagram and you're still trying to find out your type or understand what is this Enneagram thing, then head over to your Enneagram And in the upper right hand corner, you'll see that there is a free assessment. Let that do some guiding for you. But we also really highly recommend that you get our course called discovering you. This is going to help you to understand what the Enneagram is, how to use it, and a really good overview of all nine types. That's going to do a fabulous job in helping you to land on your main type. Now, if you've already, you know, found your main type and you want to specifically grow from unhealthy to healthy parts of your personality, then our Exploring You course with five coaching sessions with me uh, pre-recorded, I'm going to coach you through your core motivations, wings, Enneagram paths, and so much more. And what you're going to find is that there's a path of accelerated growth and transformation. Well, thanks guys so much for listening today. And we hope that you will join us in the next episode once again, as we walk the wheel through all nine types with the acronym AWARE. AWARE.